Engage Sessions. The NSR Media Network presents Sessions, bringing you behind the scenes and into the lives of your favorite music artists. And now, here's your host, Barry Davis. And welcome to another edition of your favorite music podcast. And if you're listening, it's probably because it's your favorite favorite music podcast, Sessions. And we've got another great show for you this week. And for a second straight week, we, we go back to the 80s. And uh, well, I know, Thomas, you may be a little bit young to remember hearing the song High School Confidential for the first time as a kid as I was. Yep. But there were a lot of things in that song I didn't quite understand. I don't know <laughs> if I still understand all of them. But uh, the incredibly talented woman who wrote that song and many others, including some new music, which we're going to hear, Carol Pope will join us here on the show and uh, a great conversation with Carol and all the wonderful things she does, Tom, not just as a musician, but uh, she's been such a huge activist for the LGBTQ, uh, and it's been wonderful what she, the work she's done. Yeah, absolutely, and, and that's one of the things when you're looking at her career, you know, there, there's so much that she's done, you know, her music is one thing, but just, you know, just in terms of overall human sexuality and mental wellness and, and acceptance and... Yeah, yeah, she's an absolute legend, and this was an amazing opportunity just to sit down and talk with her. It is, and uh, again, we'll hear brand new music from Carol Pope coming up. Uh, first of all, though, Thomas, before we get to Carol, uh, let's talk a little bit about what is going on in the news of music this week. Classic song, Tom, from the Ronettes, Be My Baby. Of course, everybody knows that song, Be My Baby. What a lot of people don't quite understand, Tom, is that that song uh, was what really started to spring the career of a guy who turned out to be one of the most famous and well-respected music producers in the world, but not a very good human being. And we're talking about Phil Spector, who uh, just passed away over the weekend whilst in prison. And this is another situation where, and, you know, we got into it in the sports department talking about mm-hmm. uh, those who have cheated in baseball and have, have done things against the rules, but that have also had great numbers. So do you, do you celebrate mm-hmm. the, can you separate the artist from his art? And that's yes. basically what I'm asking when it comes to Phil Spector, because just a horrific human being. Yeah, absolutely horrific human being. And his story is one of those stories of, I think, everything that was wrong with capitalism or or that's been wrong with capitalism leading up to COVID. Like, you know, here you got a guy that, you know, he has this talent that's in demand and makes him lots of money. And he is then enabled by everybody around him to do horribly, terribly awful criminal stuff. And it literally, in his case, it took him killing somebody mm-hmm. to 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 you know finally, you know, stop his you know stop him. But it's you know it's it's a it's a heartbreaking story for for his victim, and 
you know, for all the people along the way that kind of let it go. Oh, it's, like Ronnie Spector. I mean. Well, yeah, it, it's, you know, we were talking about George Springer coming to Toronto and, and you know, how many Houston Astros were in that room with the cheating going on and how much blame do all of them have? And that's something that, you know, Me Too and 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 BLM and, and, and all of this stuff in society right now where we're trying to kind of figure out the right way to deal with it because we don't want people like Phil Spector ever again. No. And But you're right. Like, how do we look at him now? It, it, it's such a shame that he had to live such a, a crazy life and he had to do such rotten things because the man was also blessed with incredible talent. You mm-hmm. listen to the Beatles' Let It Be album. He took scraps of recordings that even George Martin didn't want to have a part of. And he turned it into this incredible-sounding album. Now, you ask Paul McCartney, McCartney hated what Spectre did to that. And yep. especially a song like The Long and Winding Road, where McCartney was quoted as saying, um, hang on a second, there are no female vocalists with the Beatles. And Phil Spector added that, that, you know, that big choir in that mm. song, which wasn't part of the original song. So many years later, McCartney uh, was part of what was a remix of the Let It Be album called Let It Be Naked, which was basically their recordings before Phil had a chance to get to it. Now, John Lennon was, was, was really cool with Phil Spector, and they worked together in some of the solo stuff. But again, you can't blame people who were associated with him back then because they didn't no. know a lot of what we know now about him. Yeah, and and that's what makes it so hard, right? Like, do we want to go? Do we really want to go through with a fine tooth comb and look at all the people in our past and and judge them whether or not they're good morally? And it's it's such a fine edge sword. Um, yeah. That you know, do we want to spend our time going back and and you know, looking at this these awful things and and being upset by them? No, but you know, can we still enjoy someone's music? Right. That's, and yeah. well, like I'm not, I'm not going to go buy any of uh, Charlie Manson's records, if that's what you're asking. But <laughs> uh, you look at look at Michael Jackson mm-hmm. and there's still a lot. I mean, the jury's still out on whether or not a lot of the accusations against him are true. And I'm not here to say one way or the other. But the, the guy definitely has a pretty checkered past when you consider some of these things that he was involved in. But that shouldn't diminish the music should it no you know what i'm saying like yeah michael jackson was a genius yeah. it's right? funny how we expect our musicians and our our baseball players and our athletes we expect them to be these good upstanding moralistic people right and you know for the people that are running google or twitter or the corporations making billions of dollars they we, we don't ask anything of them it's it's an interesting right. it's an interesting kind of perspective and <laughs> yeah and, and yet there were there were musicians who thrived off of their reputation as being bad guys yeah I mean Joe Walsh how, throwing TVs out the window right of hotels yep. destroying hotels and stuff I mean he was you know the guys from Motley Crue I mean there was no hiding that what they did I mean Vince Neil killed a guy for God's sakes. <sighs> You know, and it's it's strange how in certain circles, you know, mm-hmm. they're able to separate the artists from their art. And I think in music, that happens. I think it happens a lot more in music than it does in sports. Yeah. In sports, I don't think 
like again, you know, you hear uh, Barry Bonds being, yeah, he took steroids, but the thing is, a lot of those numbers he put up before he started using were Hall of Fame numbers. So, again, but people have a hard time, he, and Barry Bonds may never get into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And I'm not trying to turn this into a whole sports conversation, no. but again, it, it's how I think in music, the fans, generally speaking can separate the artists from their art more than they can in sports. Yeah, you're right. I can't think of as many music artists, and actually especially with Phil Spector because it's not him, right? He's the producer of this stuff, and, and he was instrumental in putting these tunes together, but it is the other artists. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, yeah, yeah, if you're going to tar and feather every Phil Spector song, then we're in we're in big trouble. But... Oh yeah, but I mean that's that's the danger. That's what scares me as an artist, as as someone who likes music, is yeah we we get into this you know weird netherworld where where we're just looking back at everybody and if they were a bad person then we cancel them and we don't listen to stuff and and you know we're just mm-hmm. robbing ourselves right like if someone writes a good song I don't care if they're a good person or not I'd love to listen to the song and well speaking <laughs> of of writing good songs. Uh, you pointed me to a video on YouTube, and, and for our listeners, uh, maybe you, you can let them know where to find mm-hmm. it. And I started listening to it and watching it. it. It's fantastic. But basically the gist of things, Tom, is they don't write them like they used to. And song music is so different now. And, and we get into this a bit with Carol Pope mm-hmm. as well, just how the whole idea of music where it's all created now through computers and machines mm-hmm. And it usually starts with a beat on on the drum machine, and then things kind of build from there. But it, we're not we're not seeing music being written the way it used to be. No, it's uh, you know the the video is called "Why Is Modern Music So Awful," <laughs> and uh, it's it's by Fitting. it's by a, a YouTuber named Thoughty, like T H O U G H T, like a thought with a Y. So Thoughty too, all one word. And um, he really takes a dive into exactly how music has changed um, over the years. And, and, you know, he starts out on a really technical level and actually talking about the timbre and the harmonic resonance and the complexity of lyrics. And 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 he really kind of delves into exactly how quickly music has changed over the last 10 years in particular. Now, this video is a few years old now, um, mm-hmm. but the... You know, for a lot of our listeners who do, uh, you know, we know our listeners love the 80s music, love the 90s music, love the 70s music. And, you know, we didn't want to be like our parents when we grew up and and look at our kids and go, you know, your music stinks. And I, I'll bet you we all find ourselves every, every now and then, if we're not saying it, we're having a hard time. <laughs> but yeah. this goes into why. And, you know, some of the stunning stuff in this video, like, I don't want to ruin it. If you want to see, you know, really the, the reality of the music industry, um, this is a good, you know, quick 20-minute thing to kind of give you an idea of how much things have changed. And, uh, you know, the biggest one is the two songwriters, the two most uh, most fame or most successful songwriters in the last 10 years. And, you know, number one hits from 26 different artists by one of these guys alone. Um, but nobody knows their name. One of them's from Sweden. One of them's from the U.S. They write for Katy Perry. They write for Britney Spears. They write for Justin Bieber. They write for Maroon 5. But practically every song that we hear is just one of these two guys' songs. And I got to say, for a world with, you know, 7 billion people in it, 
more people playing music now than ever. The fact that our pop music is so completely dominated, not just by a group of people, but by two dudes who we don't even know the names of, who sell these tunes to other artists, that kind of lets you know where, where the state of the music industry is at. And, and that is the texture is gone, right? The depth, the breadth of it, the importance of it for a lot of people. And it's been replaced with, you know, these two dudes that know how to put out bubblegum hits that catch your attention quick. Well, I'll tell you what. There is still some good music being written. Tons. But it's not necessarily being written by the artists that you hear very often. Mm-hmm. Case in point, you probably won't hear this song on, on a lot of radio stations now, and it's a shame because you should. This is brand new music from Carol Pope, along with Church of Trees and Rob Prue's World's a Bitch on Sessions.
are some new music from Carol Pope, Church of Trees, and Rob Pruse. Great collaboration. The song is World's a Bitch and, well, kind of fitting for the year 2020. Uh, Carol Pope joins us now. When I hear that song, uh, and, and we'll get to some of the, the great metaphors later, but I'm just thinking that the timing, timing of it, World's a Bitch, I mean, this, this is what we're living in right now. Exactly. Um, they, uh, Church of Trees, Bernard Fraser approached me like maybe three weeks ago and, uh, and asked me if I wanted to sing the song. And, uh, and it, you know, lyrically, it sounds like me. And, you know, we're all in this COVID hell together. So I really related to it. And I think a lot of people are already, you know, it's really doing well already. So I was, yeah, I'm going to do it. I, I'm, I was down to do it. Pardon my gum. Well, <laughs> <laughs> on a personal level, Carol, uh, how are you doing in COVID? How how is how is isolation? How's the whole experience going for you? Uh, I'm really over it because I've been, you know, I started doing it in New York in January, February, because I knew that it, you know, I knew COVID was a horrible thing. Because my best friend is in Italy, and she kept saying, "Watch out, it's going to happen." And um, yeah, uh, it, I'm really over it. Uh, mostly because I can't get enough exercise. And I mean, I'm used to, you know, kind of isolating when I'm making art and stuff, but you know, you can't see anybody or touch anybody or, you know, I'm sure we're all in the same place. You know, Carol, listening to you sing that song and, and some of the lyrics such as no bat, no mass, no fun masturbating in the safe zone or wet dream vaccine. I hear that. I'm like, Carol had to have written these lyrics. Like this is like a Carol Pope song. It it is. I only wrote the wet dream vaccine. Thing okay, and a so you did. All work. right. Yeah. <laughs> how, uh, much, how much fun was that project? I mean, again, and some incredible people that you've had a chance to collaborate with. Well, I love working with Rob. Rob and I have worked together on and off since my album Landfall in 2011 because we did a track uh, with Rufus Wainwright um, called Landfall, the title track. So that was amazing. Um, and and Bernard's great. I mean, he's just multi-talented. And I like synth rock. You know, it's great. You know, the COVID world, it's funny. You, br you bring up a lot of really important uh, sort of lines in the song. And, you know, the, the isolated masturbation, you know, being one of them. Um, you, you've been a, a champion, you know, not just of, of LGBTQ rights, during your career but of like human sexuality um throughout your career and 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 i think a lot of people could maybe argue common sense about it um from a sexuality standpoint how are we doing in covid uh is 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 this something that is is causing damage to, to us as a society are we having a hard time or a harder time now as we go through covid expressing things like that well, yeah, I mean, you know, you can't date or anything. I mean, it's great if you have a partner, but I'm sure a lot of people want to stab each other in the eyeballs um, <laughs> for being stuck with the same person. I mean, you need space. But, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not a guy and I don't look at porn or anything. So um, <laughs> I, I don't really have an outlet. Um you know, but sometimes I, I mean, just phoning people is okay. And like, you know, taking a walk with somebody like, you know, six feet apart or whatever. But 
yeah, you can't have sex really unless you, I mean, have really, you know, uh, I guess you can do it doggy style. Apparently, I was reading about it. <laughs> my I, my theory was all touch but no contact. Exactly. You know That's a very yeah. <laughs> Carol, you know, again, you hear this song in 2021, and you hear those lyrics, and nothing will shock us anymore. Nothing surprises us. It didn't. But back when you were writing these for the, you know, when you were much younger, this was not normal for what people were hearing on the radio and such. What do you recall about maybe a pushback from record companies, uh, from the radio stations? And I'm sure that, you know, fans never complained. We loved it. But what was that like those years ago? Um, the record company was fine. Everybody was fine. The only people who weren't fine was Chum, who paid us to go in the studio and uh, uh, clean up High School Confidential. Oh, that's what, yeah, I, oh, yeah, I was going to say, not my favorite version of that song with the the edited version. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, everything else was fine. I mean, uh, you know, I don't think What's the Fuhrer got a lot of airplay or anything like that. <laughs> but Crimes <laughs> of Passion, Crimes of Passion was, was very sexual about you know, it has a a woman killing a guy and gay sex and attempted murder in it, and that got airplay. So that's probably that's pretty amazing. Yeah, and it's probably just they hear it and they don't they hear it but they don't listen, right? Exactly. Or they and you know they hear it the way they, they interpret it the way they want to interpret it. Have we kind of reached a point? where it's almost impossible to shock people anymore. And you'd think that would be a good thing. Like, uh, I think Katy Perry is the one that comes to mind. Like, I kissed a girl, right? Um, but, like, have we reached She's that She's a hack, by the way, to Tom. And, and is that necessarily a good thing? <laughs> she was good last night in the um, inauguration. <laughs> okay, we'll give her that. There we go. And, yeah, she was great. Um, uh, I kissed a girl was so tame, and Jill, what's her name? Jill Sobiel did a a girl a song about kissing a girl before that. That was kind of a hit. I can't remember the name of it now. Um, but no, um, actually, we're having trouble in with UK radio, like regular UK radio. They're like, we can't play this, even though we sent them a clean version. Um, but in the UK, they have that show. Have you seen that dating show, Naked Truth? Yeah, I may have seen a little bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe that? I'm like, I don't want to look at people's junk. Um, it's kind of scary. I mean, I looked at a couple of them, and I was like, oh, my God. It's so not sexy. <laughs> so for for those of our listeners who haven't seen Naked Truth, or, or perhaps are the hosts here who haven't seen Naked Truth, What's a brief rundown here? What happens on this show? I'm assuming they just date naked, or no? It's a dating show where, yeah, they they first they show you the, the person's junk. Everybody's behind screens, and there's like five people, and they just either a woman or a guy, or I think I've only watched two and a half of them. And so, say it's a woman. There's like five men. She's like commentating on their their junk. Um, oh, that looks very nice. Oh, I could get that guy will knock me up or whatever. Um, and then they show the rest of their bodies and they eliminate people. Um, and then they uh, go out on a date with the person they pick. Uh, 
I think many of us in the world are, you know, we're breathing a sigh of relief uh, after what finally transpired south of the border. But how discouraging did you think it was for everything that was gained when it comes to LGBTQ, uh, race relations, all, all the fences that we've been trying to blend that had been ripped apart and so many people just drank the Kool-Aid on this guy? Um, well, people are stupid. And, um, you know, I think that when Obama was president, you know, people are really, a lot of people are racist and it was kind of a big backlash to elect somebody like Trump, who is a complete Nazi racist. And then he kind of made it okay for them to come out of the woodwork. Um, so they're out there. Uh, but also, you know, Black's La Black Lives Matter started. Um, uh, Biden is going to roll back a whole bunch of idiotic uh, things that Trump did. So I I'm excited about that. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know. People need to be educated. And, you know, tr because of Trump, there's like fake news. And he just really stirred the pot. And it's really, really horrible. For you. I mean, as as you know, a teenager, your high school confidential, I guess. How tough was it for you? Uh, I was in the closet until I, and also I was like experimenting because I, you know, I had boyfriends. Um, I definitely experimented, and uh, then, you know, rough trade happened, and I was just like out there. Uh, you know, it was BDSM, it was lesbianism. It, <laughs> It was all over the place. Um, you know, as spending also, the years that you did as as an advocate, as as coming out publicly like that, and it, you know, is it hard? Is it hard sometimes to stay positive, trying to advocate for what seems like common sense? You know, I I take my own example as an advocate for mental health and and advocating for things like kindness and compassion, and it seems pretty analogous to 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 a lot of what people like BLM are struggling or a lot of the LGBTQ community has struggled with. Um, is there ever a time where you just, you know, it, it's hard to stay positive, fighting the same fight and pushing the same messages out? Yeah, I mean, it can get really frustrating, but, you know, I just don't have time for people like that. I don't want those kind of people in my life. Um, you know, I think they just either are uneducated or stupid or insecure whatever makes you hate queer people um it's not my problem go work on yourself i don't i don't need to talk to you carol you mentioned that you know you were in the closet through those teenage years what what made you decide that you needed to stay in the closet at that time um well i as i said i was exploring my sexuality um so yeah, I kind of, <laughs> there's Sorry. a cat. Yeah, that's um, that's Frankie. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, you know, I like guys, but then I really, really like women. And I didn't know what to do about it. And I think the first woman I approached hit on was like, no, what are you doing? Um, and then after that, I met somebody, like I had this fabulous stalker babe. <laughs> um, <laughs> hot stalker babe who actually ended up playing in rough trade for a while and and we got together and 
Um, that was it, you know. Do you think it's important for celebrities that are gay to come out? I know the whole idea of, well, you shouldn't have to announce it because it's just who you are. But when you have that celebrity status, it will make maybe others that are hiding in the closet feel a little bit more apt to say, you know what, I am who I am, instead of, you know, when they see someone that has status. Um, well, I think the biggest examples of that are Tom Cruise and John Travolta, because you've just heard so many stories about them, but they're such big stars, they think that it will ruin their image. Mm -hmm. um, did you see that picture of John Travolta kissing a guy who was getting on a plane and it was in a Hamilton paper, kissing a guy on the lips on the front yeah. of a Hamilton paper. And I'm like, what? How, why doesn't he come out? You know, cause normal, I don't see straight guys doing that too often, if ever. <laughs> no, I mean, like in the world of sports, I mean, I guarantee you there's more than one gay athlete right now. Oh, God, yeah. Right? But, yeah, I mean, I wish they would. I mean, some of them are come out, some of them come out and they're very brave, and some of them don't. I mean, you know, it's like there are issues that they have to deal with, and they, <clears throat> you know, I mean, maybe they think they're going to lose fans or it's going to screw up their image or whatever, but, you, I mean, <clears throat> you can't judge people by who they sleep with. You know, you judge them by if they're a good person. I mean, who cares? It's really a non-issue, I think. Yeah, it's funny. It seems like it's been one of those, you know, I, I remember comedy sketches as, you know, back as far as the 60s, you know, dealing with 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 LGBT issues and, and seeming to have more common sense than we heard our politicians talking about up until the 80s and 90s. Um, do you think it'll ever, like, are we ever going to reach that point where, you know, we can all just be okay with our sexuality and we don't have to be activists for it? Uh, I hope so, because there's so, so much else to deal with. I mean, <laughs> you know, we're in a pandemic. We should all be taking care of each other and reaching out to each other. And this is much bigger than anything else. This is life-changing what we're going through. Absolutely. So... Hey, I, I wanted to ask you, I, I think it was, was, was it around 2018 that you had to have uh, spinal surgery? Yeah. How did that all go and how you've been? Because uh, that's not, that's, I mean, all the years touring and, and performing and stuff like that, you're definitely going to be doing some damage, but wow. How are you? I'm okay. I have a lot of nerve pain, which they don't tell you about, um, which is going to go on for the rest of my life. Mm. But I had... I have spinal stenosis and it's all along my entire spine. Uh, but there, my lumbar spine was like really choked up and there was a possibility that I might not walk. Um, so I did it. Cause before that, when I was performing, I was like in a lot of pain and it was hard to stand. And it was hard to walk. Um, but I would say it's, you know, it's kind of worked 60%. It was 60% successful. Mm. Um, but I'm going to have to do, if I don't do physical therapy, I really feel bad, you know. So, but that's another thing that's making me crazy because I would, I should be riding a bike, but I, who, I don't want to do that right now in this weather. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I lived, I lived through it, but, um, you know, uh, 
I would say just get a lot of opinions before you do it. Are you hopeful? I mean, I think everybody is hopeful for the return of live music, but are you hopeful that you've come far enough after the surgery that uh, you'll be able to partake in it if and when oh, they yeah. let us start playing live? Yeah, no, yeah. I've already, I have been performing. I We had to cancel a whole bunch of gigs this year. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm fine performing now. You know, uh, I just have to sit down sometimes. At the beginning of the show, we played "World's a Bitch," the new song. And when you joined us on the uh, New Year's Eve show, which was a fantastic show that Ed Sousa put on, and so many great artists were part of it, uh, we played the song uh, "This Is Not a Test." And everyone, yeah. everyone, not only did they say they love that song, love that song, but everyone had assumed, and me included, that this was a brand new song. And this was from, it like, is. well, 2017, wasn't it? Well, I guess, yeah. Right? So it's, 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 it's been there for a while. But, yeah. but, but my point is that how hard is it as an artist when you're writing stuff that you are so proud of still and everybody only focuses on high school confidential, uh, you know, um, and some of the 80s. You know what I mean? Like, is, is it hard that that's always going yeah. to be what you hear? Yeah, it makes me crazy. Um, it totally makes me crazy. And this is not a test. It's a great song. And we also did a video. Um, and it did get some airplay on CBC and places like that. But I'm really, really bad at promoting stuff. But I, I just, you know, I just hate doing that. I... I mean, I try and promote my new work, but you really have to hire somebody to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I just released a new version of High School Confidential that we did because we got um, uh, inducted into the Songwriters Hall of yeah, Fame. Yeah, congratulations. Had to That's awesome. Thank you. So we did a new uh, version with my band, Tim Welch and Sean Kelly and Tim Timblick and Kevin Hearn from Bare Naked Ladies. And I had to, but I call it High School Confidential Fame Whore Mix. <laughs> but it's pretty much the same, but it's, it's a pretty kicking version though, with more guitars on it. I have to admit that as a probably 11 or 12 year old, going up to my older brother and asking him what it means to cream my jeans. <laughs> and I, you know, as a 12-year-old, you know, you hear the song. And that's the thing, right? I mean, as kids, you know, we always worry about our kids hearing things right over the head at that age. You know what I mean? I of course. I have no idea what any of that meant. You know, but yet we still, to this day, everything has to be censored. Well, you know, stuff, uh, stuff is a lot more graphic than that, you know. So... You know, and especially in uh, hip hop, which is there's a lot of songs that are demeaning to women, oh, yeah. which I find offensive. Um, uh, although I do like um, some artists. Um, but yeah, and yeah, uh, I would definitely keep my kid away from anything that's, you know, demeaning to women or just insulting in, in general. You know, talking about, you know, steering back kind of to the, to the material, talking about High School Confidential, that's certainly, I think, would be fair to say your most well-known song. 
Um, but if you had to pick a song that should be your most well-known tune, your personal favorite or the one that, that just, you know, that if you wanted people to know about you, that's the one that they should go to first. What would it be? You mean a rough trade song or a, a me song? Any tune that you've ever, yeah. Any tune that you've ever written, done, your, your uh, favorite of what you've done. Oh my God. I don't know. <laughs> I like viral actually. Mm. Um, which is on my album Landfall. Um, and I also like Lesbians in the Forest, which I did it with, with Peaches. Peaches, yeah. <laughs> but, and, and so and the, and those are both later mixes. Yeah. Hmm? And those are both later, like those are both post 2010, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Mm. Oh, you want me to pick a rough trade song? I would say all touch. No, no. I, I I think it's wonderful that you picked those later tunes because, you know, I think that's something that we've, Barry and I have noticed here with a number of people that we've been talking to, uh, you know, artists that are well known for this work that they've done in the 70s and 80s. But like, it's amazing to dive into stuff that you've been up to in the last 10 years, because some of it, you know, Barry and I are discovering is amazing. The best. Yeah. So, yeah. And again, it's not a matter of, you know, it's not good music. It's a matter of they're just not giving it a platform, which really sucks. You know, I, I would love it if we had a radio station in Toronto that played new music from old artists. And, and I say old, I yeah. don't mean age-wise. I mean, you know, but I would love that. I'd love to be able to hear. But then, you know, it doesn't mean you can't hear something off of this, by the way. And this is, you know, if I was to pick oh, yeah. my favorite song, uh, I think it would probably have to be Fashion Victim. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, but yeah, uh, again, it's just amazing, though, that, you know, people are still listening to this, which is cool, too, right? I mean, you, of course, you'd love to be able to see them listen to your new stuff. But when, you know, the radio is on now, I mean, when, when you put out this album, the, the thought of, you know, in 45 some odd years, they're still going to be playing it on the radio. Yeah, that's amazing. That is amazing. And some people do play my new stuff. Um, uh, definitely, you know, the CBC mm. and, um, but not enough, Carol, it, it's, it should be not enough, like, you know, edge one Oh two. I mean, that this is like, I don't understand why they wouldn't play that or, uh, 88.1, the, uh, the one that does the what indie station, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, we're just. Uh, delivering uh, worlds of bitch to everybody. And I've been doing a lot of interviews and just letting people know about my material. And um, hopefully that's going to help. Um, is there is there a place nowadays for record labels in this mix? Or is it all like, is it all up to the artist right now? Um, I mean, I don't know. Some YouTube, YouTube people get signed to labels, but... Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, I like releasing my own stuff, but you know, I just, I really, you really have to have money or you really have to spend a lot of time promoting it. And I find that really annoying because I have other stuff that I'm doing, like working on a musical. Um, but that's what you have to do. I mean, there are, you know, I mean, no record label is going to sign me, but, um, they are signing people. Um, but I don't know who, I don't know anybody who's got like a real yeah. record deal except for Rufus Wainwright, I think. 
if you uh, if you could give advice to a 16 year old musician who says, Carol, I really want to make it big in this industry. What's the best advice? Would it be to pack up and run? <laughs> um, I would just say be true to yourself as an artist. Uh, well, there's all, you know, just really work your social media. Um, you know, reach out to radio. Uh, it's just, it's a lot of work. And it's a lot easier if you can perform live because... You know, that's a whole other platform that we're missing right now, which is really, really unfortunate. You know, to me, to me, Carol, it's all about the song, right? It, whatever the genre of music is. But when it's created, you know, by someone who's not a musician, who's sitting at their computer and they're putting this down and then this down and they're not really writing a song. They're just using computer techniques. They can make yeah. it sound like it's a beautiful, you know, recorded at Abbey Road. But at the end of the day, I don't care how good a song sounds. I care how good the song is. Oh, me too. Um, a lot of music today is just like, I don't remember what I heard, you know. Um, <laughs> I listen to NPR a lot. and Or there's a whole bunch of like remakes of great songs with really whiny people, and I just <laughs> want to kill them. <laughs> you know, I don't want to hear some masterpiece with some whiny chick singing. I mean, I'm sorry. At my work, the uh, the folks at my work have on one of those stations, and I literally heard one of the songs I hear "Free Fallen" from Tom Petty. I'm like, that's strange to be playing that. And the next thing you know, boom! I'm like, oh my god, what are you doing? Like, how is that even legal? That's sacrilegious. Yeah. Have you ever yeah. heard a Have you ever heard a dance mix or a remix of one of your tunes that made you go, oh god, what have they done to it? Yeah, I actually, like, in order to finish doing uh, my second solo album, I uh, I got some money from this label, and they did put out a remix album, and I pretty much hated everything on it. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, yeah, not a, not a huge fan. No. <laughs> well, listen, you, you, go ahead, Tom. Well, you brought up the musical, and this was something that I, I, you know, I had read about before before COVID hit, and and I would love to just touch base really quickly on how that's going because I love the story. It, it it's you know something that you put together, sort of about your brother's story, and 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 his life, if I'm not mistaken, and you know. It, it sounded really exciting. I know you're using some of, you know, Rough Trades music and some new original music. And I know that it was in the works before COVID, but what's happening with it now? Um, we're doing uh, virtual workshops um, and we have a GoFundMe for it because we have to pay actors and musicians. And musicals are so expensive to mount. I mean, they cost a million dollars. Even like a cheap one is a million dollars. Uh, but yeah, before COVID, we were going to workshop it at Buddies and Bad Times, and now we're just do, doing virtual workshops. And as soon as possible, we're going to do start doing live uh, workshops. Um, but yeah, it's based on my brother's life, who lived in New York in the '80s and was in this amazing band called Zet, which was uh, a new wave performance art kind of band. Um, and the lead singer was very androgynous and he would wear 
a sarong and he also did all these displays in area in the 80s amazing amazing displays behind glass he would dress up like christ or whatever and lay in a glass cage forever um all night and um so my brother uh was in this band and he uh got involved with act up which is a group that um advocated for age research and drugs and protested and um and then he had unprotected sex and, you know, uh, was positive and uh, passed away in 96. Yeah. Um, he was actually allergic to the medication they had at that time. Um, but it has, it's not, I'm making it sound sad, but it's not sad. It's like, it's very joyous and there's a lot of great rough trade music and a lot of great characters and there's a younger me in it. Um, I can't wait to see who, you know how that's gonna work. Yes, let's um, hope she let's hope she sings like you. I don't want one of those like I can hit every octave possible type singing. No, I don't either. Um, it's not gonna be like that because it's like you it's know, you. it's like a yeah, it's a, me and it's a rock musical, so it's not gonna be like strident Broadway <laughs> voices. I hope. <laughs> Carol, here's hoping and praying that 2021 sees some sign of, you know, normal life again, live music, theater returning. Ah, it's amazing how much you don't realize how much you want something until it's gone, right? And now it's gone, and we're just so desperate for it to come back again. Yeah. Um, I know. I'm, like, so sick of Zoom, and <laughs> <laughs> I can't touch you. Um yeah, I mean, you don't know, like Jenny mentioned, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to make everybody, I think, appreciate all of that a lot more and appreciate each other a lot more. So as horrific as it is, it's still kind of a karmic life lesson for people. There is Carol Pope. Uh, what a fantastic conversation that was, Thomas. And uh, like I said before, I love hearing new music from artists that have been around for for a long time and have done a lot of stuff and are still writing. And it's great to hear uh, Carol Pope singing and putting out new music. Yeah, it's it's a pleasure every week uh, we get to sit down with these artists. And you're right, you know, we've got to figure out a way. Uh, you know, obviously we have them come in here on the show and, and we're helping to put their music out that way. But, you know, I think just as a society right now here in Toronto or in Ontario, we got to figure out something we can maybe do uh, with our listeners' help to, to help these artists that are putting out music just get it out there and get it listened and shared with people. Exactly. So. And speaking of new music, Biff Naked has a brand new single called Broke Into Your Car, and she'll be joining us on next week's show to talk a little bit about that and what she's been up to during COVID. So listen, uh, once again, great show. Big thanks to Carol Pope. Thomas, thank you as always. Keep on rocking. And we'll uh, talk to you all next week. For Tom Forth, I'm Barry Davis. Thank you so much for listening to Sessions. That's all the time we have for today's show. Until next time, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. I'm Casey Kasem. <laughs>